Open your Bibles, if you would please, this morning to Genesis. Genesis chapter 22 is where we're going to be today. <clears throat> Genesis and chapter 22. Our custom here for decades here at Bible is to begin the year with a focus on stewardship. If you've been at Bible very long, you've sat through many, many months in January and sometimes bleeding into February of messages on stewardship. And we often take various themes when we're thinking about our stewardship. And each year we often will take some kind of theme that we're going to work with. And this year our theme has been hindrances to good stewardship. And with this theme, what we've been trying to do is to identify particular areas that make it more difficult for us to be good stewards of all that God has given to us. So that's what this whole series has been about. It's been identifying uh, different aspects of uh, our lives that can make us being good stewards more challenging. And the first uh, hindrance that we looked at was a mistaken identity. If I don't correctly identify who I am and who God is when it comes to stewardship, I'm going to have a hard time being a good steward. If I don't recognize that God is the owner and I am not the owner, I never have been the owner, I never will be the owner. If I don't recognize that, I'm going to have a hard time stewarding what God has given to me because I'm going to think that I'm the owner. If I identify myself to be the owner rather than a steward, I'm not going to be a really good steward of what it is that God has given to me. We understand in stewardship that God is the owner, that he owns all things, and that we are stewards. And a steward is one who takes care of someone else's goods. And so for me to be a good steward, I've got to first of all understand the goods, they don't belong to me. Whether it's my treasure, whether it's my talents, whether it's my time, whether it's my children, whatever it is, I, I don't have anything but what I have received it. And so if I don't understand that I never own the things that I have received, God owns all of them, I'm just stewarding them. I am one who is taking care of God's goods. If I mistake my identity, I'm not going to be a good steward. And then another hindrance that we looked at was not only mistaken identity, but misplaced values. If I don't understand values as I should, and I mistake things to have more value than they do have, I'm going to have a hard time being a good steward. I have to understand something about contentment. But if I live with, with misplaced values and I value stuff, I just have a lust for stuff and a lust for things. And I'm always wanting the biggest and the best and the latest thing that's out there. And I feel like my life is not really going to be fulfilled or going to be happy without me having that. Then I'm going to have a hard time being a good steward. Because I'm going to always be looking for the next thing. 
I'm going to be spending my money on the next thing. And I'm going to find myself struggling to give any of my, my money to the Lord, to give any of my energy, of my time to the Lord, because I'm always, I've got my, my sight set on this life. I have misplaced values. So mistaken identity and misplaced values are going to make, those are hindrances to me being a good steward. And then there's one more that I want us to consider uh, this morning. A third one and a final one in this series that we're going to be looking at this year. And that is misguided faith. Misguided faith. If my faith is not resting in the God of the Bible... I am not going to be a good steward. If I am not confidently resting in God, I understand who He is. I understand the role that He has in my life. If I do not recognize that, then I'm going to have a hard time being a good steward. My faith is essential to being a good steward. And if I don't have that, I'm not going to be a good one. It's going to be a hard time, uh, a difficult task for me to give a tenth of my income to the Lord and whatever else I want to do. And my faith promise giving to missions or sacrifice offerings, whatever it is, I'm going to have, have a hard time doing that unless... I have a confident trust in God to meet my needs and to provide just as he has promised that he would do. I'm going to have a hard time giving my time to some spiritual endeavor if I don't have a confident faith that God is going to, to work in my time and in my schedule for his own glory and for my good. For example, often... I, just like you, am challenged by the devil and I'm challenged by my flesh about reading my Bible. And my flesh and the devil will often remind me that you don't have time, your plate is too full, and there's, you need to jump into your day and get moving with the things that you have to do today. But it's your faith in God that steps back and says, no, this, my time communicating with God is essential. It's important. And so I must spend this time. If I, and if I commit myself to spending this time, God is going to work in my schedule because my spending time in the scripture is what God wants me to do. He has called me to do this. He's called every one of us uh, to do this. So it's my faith that's going to do that. It's going to take faith for me to encourage my children, to encourage my grandchildren to go wherever it is that God wants them to go. When in my heart, as a dad and as a grandfather, I will love for them all to be living right around the corner from me. I would love that. But it takes faith for me to, to say to them, son, sweetheart, you need to go wherever it is that God wants you to go. 
That's going to be the, vet, the best for you. And it's going to be the, the way that you are going to fulfill the will of God in your life. Now that takes faith. And if my faith is misguided. If it's in something or someone other than God. I'm going to have a very difficult time being a good steward. Well, I don't know of any place in the scripture where you see a more solid faith concerning our offering, our giving of whatever it is than what we find in the moving story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham was a man who demonstrated extraordinary faith in his giving to God. In fact, the way that Abraham responded to what God was asking him to give was so extraordinary that it landed him in what we call the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, which we heard this morning. I want to remind us of just three verses that Tim read to us this morning in Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19, which are a synopsis of what we're going to look at, the more extended story this morning. The writer of Hebrews says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which also he received him in a figure. Here we're told that Abraham sustained a severe trial. And in the midst of that trial, he performed a very difficult duty and he obtained an important blessing. And it was through his faith that he did all of this. Let's read the story here. Follow along as I read Genesis chapter 22 verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I shall tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went, both of them, together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the, the fire and the wood, but where is a lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place where God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there. 
and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So that's the extended account of what we have, that little summary there in the book of Hebrews Every good steward has learned something about faith. He knows what it means to trust God, and that is what has helped him in his stewardship. And as we look at the passage this morning, I want us to note three qualities in the life of Abraham that demonstrate that Abraham was indeed a man of faith. That's what we're going to look at uh, this morning, and let's pray and ask God to help us as we do that. Father, this morning we do pray for your help. Our, our hearts are just stirred when we read a passage like this. Stirred at the, the what seems outrageous request and stirred by Abraham's faith to honor that, to fulfill that, to be obedient. And so, Lord, we pray that you would guide us today by your spirit. May you encourage us with the example of Abraham here. And may we be people of faith, fulfilling all that you have asked us to do. So guide us today by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And the first quality I want us to notice this morning here in this passage is Abraham's obedience. His faith... By faith, Abraham gave as God commanded him, even in a severe trial. By faith, Abraham gave as God had commanded him. He was obedient, even in the midst of a severe trial. And I want you to notice from verse 3 that Abraham obeyed immediately. You think about this request that God is giving him. Verse 1 tells us that, that God is, and our King James uses the word, tempting Abraham. When you and I hear the word tempting, we usually think of it as a solicitation to evil. That I am being tempted to do something that I should not do. It's a temptation there to evil. Well, God never, ever tempts anyone to sin. Never. And the scripture is very clear about that in James chapter 1 and verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. That's what the scripture says. 
So whatever, this is hap- whatever is happening here, we know that it is not that God is tempting Abraham to do something wrong. God never, ever, ever tempts anyone and it will never tempt you to do something that is wrong. Nor does God test someone so that he can discover by experiment the kind of character that that person has. God doesn't do that. God knows that already. God knows everything that there is to know about you and me. So God is never going to tempt us to try to find out by his own experiment with us to give him some information about whether or not I am a, have good character and so I can be a good steward. God never does that. He knows that. When God brings testing into our lives, when he brings trials into our lives, God's doing that to prove to us. It kind of reveals to us. He already knows. But it's putting us face to face with where we are and how we stand with God. It puts us face to face with what is going on in our lives and in our walk with God. It's proving to ourselves the character or the lack of character in our own walk with God. Verse 2, it leaves no doubt to Abraham that God is talking to him. There's no other reason why Abraham would have followed through the way he did. And when I look at this verse, these verses... The request that's being made, I think God is asking Abraham to do something that is just against all reason. Any normal dad would look at a request like that and think that is unbelievable. That is outrageous. Any normal dad, it would seem, would just argue vociferously with God over such a request as to go and take your son onto a mountain and put him on an altar and slay him. And God the Spirit is emphasizing the significance of this request when he says to him in verse 2, I want you to take your son, and then he says this, Thine only son, Isaac... On a side note, Abraham had more children. He had eight children as far as we know. But this is his only son of promise. This is the son through whom God said to Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great people. This was his only son with Abraham and Sarah. And then... So God says, I want you to take your son, son, not just your son, your only son. Not just your only son, I want you to take the son whom thou lovest. I mean, the Spirit of God, when he's recording this, he is showing us the depth of the request that he is asking here. And any normal dad would look at a request like that and say, that's unbelievable. It goes against every fiber of my being to even think in terms like this. 
It goes against the sacredness of human life principle. Abraham would have been well aware of that kind of thing. But you notice that Abraham obeyed and he did so immediately. And the scripture is clear on that. Right next verse you get to in verse 3. Abraham rose early in the morning. And he was obedient. Now we should stop probably here and just ask ourselves, what do we do when God asks us of something that just seems to go completely against our, our reasoning? When God asks you to do something for Him, and it just goes against your reasoning, I mean, you look and you say, God, I could never do that. You want me to be a preacher? You want me to be a missionary? You want me to be a Sunday school teacher? You want me to serve in this particular... I, 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 that, that's for other people. That is not me. I don't have the skills for that. I don't have the voice for that. I don't have the words for that. I don't have the intellect for that. That's for somebody else. Has God ever asked you to do something and, and you, just, you just reason within yourself, well... well Thank you, God, but I, I appreciate your confidence in me, but not, not this time. This is just not, you're, you are barking up the wrong tree here. Has God ever asked you to do something and you have, you have argued with God because it went against your natural reasoning? It takes faith for me to steward Whatever it is that God has, has given to me. And that's the point that we're looking at. When God asks of you to give a tithe of your income. Do you argue with God about that? You say, God, you don't, you don't understand. How in the world? I, can, I cannot imagine. I'm doing everything I can to make all of my ends meet. Do you want me to take a tenth away? And just give it. It just goes against your, your reason. Is, is that true of you? It takes faith. Has God asked you to do something? And you say, I, I, there's no way I can put another thing on my schedule. I can't do it. It goes totally against your natural reasoning. But in your heart, the Spirit of God is really prompting you. And we have to be wise, right? We have to be wise in the way we handle ourselves and that we are living our life out in our daily schedule with, with good priorities. That's wise for us to do. But when the Spirit of God is prompting in you, and you know this is the Spirit of God speaking... Does your natural reason come along and say, I, I don't have time for that? See, it takes faith here. And Abraham obeyed immediately, and then he obeyed continually. Do you see that on verse 4? Then on the third day. Three days is a long time to ponder such a command. I often wonder, what in the world was Abraham thinking for three days? 
This is a command that goes against all of his reason. And for three days on this journey with this son that he's commanded here to sacrifice right along by his side. And for three days in their companionship, you just wonder what was going through Abraham's mind. Was he struggling over that? Was he wondering what is Sarah going to think? Was he wondering how in the world he was going to do this? What was the community, the surrounding community going to, going to think? What was going through his mind? Or was any of that going through his mind? I wonder if Abraham wasn't so strong in his faith that he didn't, he didn't worry about and stress over, to use a word that we would use, he, he didn't stress over a request like that, like you and I might stress over it. So Abraham's faith was such that he obeyed. You see, his obedience is very clearly emphasized in the passage. But there's another quality of his faith, a quality of his life that was motivated by his faith, and that's secondly his confidence. Abraham was a man of faith, and by faith he obeyed God even in the midst of a severe trial. And by faith, Abraham expected that God would provide. I think Abraham just had a tremendous confidence. And you see that. The, the passage is clearly just bearing that out to us. You notice his confidence with his, his friends when he says to them in verse 5, you all stay here. My boy and I, we're going to go over the hill here. And we're going to worship the Lord. And then we're coming back to you. That's a pretty confident faith. You guys stay here. Take care of everything. We're going to go for a little bit. We'll be back. You see his confidence with his family. When Abraham says to Isaac's request, Isaac's, Isaac's a, a, what, a, what a normal, ordinary request. They're on this journey. They're coming along now, three days, and now they're headed to the place of sacrifice. And Isaac here, the boy, is looking around and says, Dad, we got this, and we've got this, and we've got this, but we left the most important thing back home. Where's the lamb? And you know the confidence here. When, when this dad looks at his boy and there's no lamb around them, but says to him, son, God's going to provide a lamb. What a confident faith that Abraham had. Someone weak in faith would have hesitated 
here for sure. But Abraham was so confident in God. And he believed that God was wise and powerful and faithful and good. And he believed that the command to offer up Isaac, his son, came from the same God who told him that in that son, his, his uh, nations were going to come out of him. I mean, the promise was through this son. And so Abraham is so confident in who God is. And you can just picture, this is why I say, I wonder if Abraham had any pause at all in the request. That when God had said to him, you go sacrifice your son, and Abraham has reasoned, now, wait, now I know that this son that God has asked me to sacrifice is the very son that God has said through him, nations are going to come out of my loins. I wonder, did he stagger at all? And you know what Romans 4 tells us. He staggered not at the promise of God. So this is a real confidence here. And no doubt Abraham concluded that though he could not see how it would all work out. That God would take care of it. That was God's responsibility. It was God's place to promise, and it was His place to believe. It was God's place to command, and it was His place to obey. It was God's place to bestow the blessings, and it was His place to receive them. And Abraham believed those things, and he was confident in those things. And so I believe what Abraham has worked out in his own heart here is... This request may go completely against my natural reason, but that's not my problem. That's God's problem. God's going to take care of it. God's going to work it all out. God's made this particular promise to me, and he's made this particular command to me. They don't seem to go together in my mind, but I have a responsibility I have a responsibility to obey. God's going to work that out. I have no idea how. God's going to work that out. That's a confident faith. And you and I need a faith like that to be a good steward. Otherwise, I'm going to lean to my own understanding. Otherwise, I'm going to, I'm going to my own intellect is going to rule the day. When God asks me to do something that I don't feel like I have the, the talent to do, I don't have the, the uh, gifts to do, unless I have a confident faith in God, my own will, my intellect is going to win. And I'm going to step back and say, I can't do it. But if I have a confident faith in God, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to say, God, I, I, I don't know how in the world. Why in the world you're asking me to do this? And I don't know how in the world I'm going to be able to be the one to do it. But your spirit keeps bringing this to me and I am going to obey. And I'm going to trust you to work it all out. Many of us have done this year after year after year in our giving. 
You've done this every year when you, like our family, you raise your faith promise, your commitment to missions. And God has shown himself faithful year after year. Many of you can give testimony about what God has asked you to do for him. And you have looked at that and said, I don't know how in the world. God has asked you to teach a kid's Sunday school class. And, and in your heart, you're, you just, I, you know, I don't do kids. I love them from a distance. But I don't do kids. And yet someone comes to you and says, you know, we have a need here. And the moment when they were telling you that, the Spirit of God said to you, you know what, you can do that. And you argue with God. But it's your confident faith that comes back and says, God, you're right. God, I, 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 I don't do kids, but you want me to do kids. I don't know how you're going to. Matter of fact, I'm excited to see how you're going to work this out. That's a confident faith. That's why James would write of Abraham, James 2, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. It was Abraham's faith that energized those works, and those works demonstrated that Abraham indeed did believe God. His confidence here is so compelling. But then there's one final quality that I want us to note. And that is Abraham's surrender. His obedience, his confidence, his surrender. By faith, he gave it. He gave everything to God. And you see that in verse 12. The angel comes and says... Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. I know that you fear God. You have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You have not withheld your son. What a personal offering Abraham gave. A personal offering. And a precious offering. Thine only son. From me. The one in whom the promise would be. And Abraham is. Surrendering it all. To God. God brought Abraham face to face. With the matter of his own. Surrender to the Lord. Was he withholding anything. From God. And that was the test. You have not withheld. And what did God do? We know the story there. Abraham lifted up his eyes, verse 13, and there was God's provision. 
Abraham didn't see the provision to begin with. That's why it demanded his faith. And so, in faith, he obeyed. In faith, he was confident. In faith, he surrendered all of it to God. And God provided. Because that's who God is. He is the provider. Now, if I don't have a faith in God and who God is, and confident that no matter what it is that God is asking of me, I just need to obey. If I don't have that kind of faith, I'm not going to be a good steward. My lack of faith is going to hinder my stewardship. And that's true of all of us. You look through and you could see, we we could preach, and many pastors have, a whole series out of Hebrews 11 all around the faith. And you could look at so many of these and you could see that are listed there in in the hall of faith. You could look at so many of those lives, some we know more details about than others. But the key component to every one of them that's being emphasized there and the reason they're in that chapter is because of their faith. Their obedience that was born out of an underlying, a confident faith in who God was. God asked Noah to do something that seemed outrageous, but it was a confident faith. God led Joseph. You could go down the list. Moses. One after one. You will look and from a natural standpoint. You might say how in the world is that going to work? But God did it. Because he is the provider. And he passed that test. As Hebrews eleven nineteen says. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. And the King James says, from whence also he received him in a figure. You might have a translation that says figuratively speaking. The idea of that is that Abraham, here's Isaac on that altar here. And Abraham is so confident that God is going to raise him up. That there's going to be a resurrection. God's asked me to sacrifice him. Here's, there's, there has to be a resurrection. Because that young man is through the promise. It's coming through him. So there was a great, great faith there. So here's our question this morning. Where is our faith? How is our faith this morning? What's the condition of your faith today? Did God have this message for you today to encourage your faith? To chasten the lack of it? How's your faith today? If you find yourself regularly trusting the Lord, I hope the message today is is an encouraging thing for you. I want to continue on 
I, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And it encourages you to continue on moving that direction. If, you're, if, if that's not true, if the Spirit of God has brought something to your mind of something that God has asked of you, and you have just pushed back, then I hope God will use the message today to strengthen your faith. And let God stir in your heart today to make you a good steward. Not letting faith or lack of it be a hindrance to our good stewardship. Let's pray together. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. The first step of faith is the gospel. Is believing that Jesus is the answer for my sins. Have you believed that? Have you placed your faith personally in Jesus Christ? Or are you leaning to your own understanding in that way? I pray not. I, I pray that you are not here today and thinking that in yourself is the answer for your salvation. God has said in his word, he said it this way, Jesus did, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. What Jesus is saying there is you will get to God, you will get to heaven where God is, you will get to heaven only through Jesus. You will not get to heaven through you. Your natural response may say, well, I've got to do something to get to, my, to heaven. I can't just walk there freely. You get there by faith in what Jesus did. Not faith in any good work that you will do. You can't make it there. And if you're here today and you're uncertain about your relationship to God, then I want to encourage you as we sing this morning, please come. Or stop me at the back. Let us take a Bible and show you how you could, by faith, trust Jesus as your Savior this morning. Our Father, this morning, would you help us today? Would you grow our faith? Would you encourage our faith today? Would you draw any person today uncertain that they have actually exercised faith in you? We pray that you would draw them to yourself today. So guide us this morning in this invitation hymn, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.